St. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that it is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. What a beautiful rendition. One of my favorite songs. And being uh, raised as I was with four-part uh, acapella music, it was just magnificent. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Virgil Fry. Uh, I'm your neighbor from Lifeline Chaplaincy down the street. We've enjoyed a good relationship uh, between each other uh, for many, many years. And uh, I appreciate the reverence that goes into your worship service and hearing all the moving pieces being part of the planning meeting uh, this week. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, what's in your program doesn't just happen. Uh, it takes a lot of work. It also reflects a respect for worshiping God in a very meaningful way. Good to be with you. The passage that was read to you a little earlier uh, is one of the stories of uh, Jesus. Uh, he's, he responds to what I would call some righteous spiritual gatekeepers who were grumbling about the so-called sinners and tax collectors and that Jesus dared to associate and even eat with them. Eating was a way to, to approve of someone in a, in a fellowship sort of way. Um, the timing on this for me personally is, uh, I just paid my quarterly self-employment income tax yesterday. So I kind of get the grumbling about the IRS, but I'm not sure that's where this story is going, but I just had to throw that in there. So. And then Jesus, in response to the grumblers, unfolds two stories that, as is said on the front of your worship, break any assumption about what is typical. Leaving behind 99 well-tended sheep to seek out one rebellious lost one is very impractical. 
shaking a house upside down to find one coin, a coin's about a day's wages, when you still had nine coins, it's understandable, but to turn around and throw a celebratory party, spending that found coin is totally foolish. It extravagant. And this seems to be the point. Human standards of frugality, let's cut our losses and move on. And clinging to someone or something lost now found is not God's way. God exudes extravagance. He throws parties and enjoys doing so for all God's creation. Not just the crowds, but also the singular ones. It's the one that discovers God's merciful solidarity that gets the party. It's the one that lets herself be expansive in looking at God's presence and as more than just an angry, distant deity, but actually as a party thrower that moves her into newer, more loving ways of being human. It's a singular one that expands simple spirituality from a set of enforced rules keeping to a spirituality of a living, breathing relationship with God and with all humans. The singular one learning that faith is evolving within, moving us towards enlightenment rather than entitlement. I don't like feeling lost. My first day as a hospital chaplain at MD Anderson Cancer Center down the street was a big change in vocation for me, and it was a, it was a heavy day, it was a good day, but I'd met many patients and families and staff and uh, I was trying to adjust to that new role. When I went down to my car, which was in a high-rise garage down there, got in it and went down, uh, which is what you do at the medical center, down lots of stiff flights, paid the toll and, and turned on the little street that got to Holcomb, which is the large street that I was trying to get on. And I got there and I had absolutely no idea whether to turn right or to turn left to get to the house where I was staying. And I literally panicked because I thought, how could you feel so lost? You just, you drove this street to get in here. But I did. A new city, a new place to be. I was lost. This is way before GPS. Probably wouldn't have helped anyway at that point. I've been lost with GPS too, so I, I don't know. But I had a 50-50 chance of getting it right. And uh, there were cars behind me that were kind of anxious for me to, uh, even if it's wrong, do something. So I did something and it worked out okay. But that feeling of feeling lost is not a good one. And I don't like losing precious items. I actually have a passport. I know I do because I've seen it, I've used it. <laughs> However, right now it's in a storage closet that keeps hiding it further and further from me. And, and for me, after all my searching, it's lost. I think I need Sylvester's magic pebble uh, now that I know about it to help me find it. So we get it. Finding your way or finding the right road after being lost or finding a lost precious object is worth rejoicing over. It's worth acknowledging the thrill of that. And I wonder if maybe this kind of turns the American values measuring faith and success on its head. Meaning rather than measuring success in faith terms only by huge numbers, 
and overflowing contributions. On our better days, we notice and care for the one who's down on his or her financial or familial luck or reaping consequences of some poor life choices. Or the one griever who's lost a significant partner or child or friend. Or the one faith struggler who's lost a sense of meaning and purpose and has no sense of spiritual resources. For in truth, those losers are each one of us at some point. I got challenged for using the phrase, we are all losers, or making that in a presentation once to a group of folks, by which I was saying, like from the wild edge of sorrow, Francis Weller's book, this harsh reality, everything we love, we will lose. That is a harsh reality, but it's life. And when I got through, I also talked about we are resilient and we find ways to get through that and we walk with each other to do so. But there was a lady there that was highly offended that I called us all losers. And she came up to me and she said, I am not a loser. I am a winner. And she happened to be the next presenter. <laughs> so would you like to guess what her opening line was? So she overstated, and I probably overstated our point. We're both losers and winners. But we can all, I would bet, call those people who have been with us when we felt lost, when we were lost, who emulated the shepherd putting a lamb on his shoulders and gently carrying it home. These are the ones who help us journey better, or with their care, we know we aren't totally alone. Several years ago, I uh, volunteered to be a part of a group of hundreds of volunteers down at the George R. Brown Center on Thanksgiving Day, when foods and medicines and uh, clothing and even a hot meal are distributed to underserved folks that uh, don't have it. Some live on the streets, some were entire families that just didn't have enough to do that. But when I got there, there was this big warehouse that was set up with all of the stations and they had it set up so that when a person came in, they could shop for themselves, which I, I was pretty impressed with rather than just handing them something and sending them on their way. But all the people that were going to be served were in another room. And it was set up so that all of those people were brought in one at a time. And they asked some of us to line up right outside the entrance door and when that person would walk out, everybody would clap and applaud and welcome them. And then another volunteer would take that person and take them around to the various stations and let them make all their choices. That in itself is pretty amazing, but I remember one lady that, will, that I will take with me forever. She came out into the line carrying her, her rolling suitcase behind her. My assumption is that was probably the majority of her physical possessions. And when the applause happened, she literally stopped walking, put her hands to her eyes to hide her tears. Because this woman was used to being unwelcome. And that day, she was saying, being told, you belong, welcome here. The rest of us started crying along with her, by the way. I thought it was 
it was it was so touching that it meant that much for her to be applauded and not to shun. So it seems the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin are us and point us in this way. Maybe we should slow down on the grumbling. Something I'm pretty good at, by the way. Uh, let's tap down the spiritual gatekeeping of who belongs in and who doesn't, because we don't know the whole story. And instead, let's enjoy the celebration of being found and being sensitive to all around us who need a spiritual companion, a welcome home party hosted by an impractical, extravagant God.